I'm sure you've had your fill of exploring the Star Wars items in a Hakes catalog by now. But did you ever wonder where the collectibles featured in a particular auction originated? I don't mean the origins of the toys themselves, but of these specific examples. Where did they come from? Who owned them previously? And how did they wind up in the Hakes 234 catalog, neatly arranged in order of the film and toy releases, spanning pages with price estimates, and listed by lot number? After seeing the prices realized in the November Hakes auction, I expected this one to be something remarkable. Hakes broke into the Star Wars collectible market in a big way in 2017, premiering the incredible Russell Branton collection. A carded Luke Skywalker figure sold for $50,000. The rocket-firing Boba Fett prototype began its ascent into six-figure status. And since then, we've seen prices dip as interest in the sequel trilogy waned, and we've seen prices ride the growing wave propelled by the series The Mandalorian and the resurgence in collecting during the pandemic. But November 2021's auction seemed to hint at what was to come. The final prices for vintage Star Wars action figures and related memorabilia indicated that interest was on the rise. The audience for collecting was expanding, pulling a wider swath of deep-pocketed speculators and investors that wanted to combat sagging 401ks with something more exciting and with a better return for their money. A transformation occurred within the hobby. And after that auction, it felt as though we were on the precipice of something bigger. A monster, perhaps, but something that had caught the attention of collectors around the world. I have to be honest, I'm always leery of where these pieces come from. Looking through the catalog as a collector, I wonder if another collector within the hobby has taken advantage of the community by scooping up pieces through the kindness of friends, only to curate a collection to flip for a profit in a large auction like this. I think of some of the names of those who joined some of the collecting groups recently and question their motives, or those who have started Facebook pages built almost solely as a platform on which to sell the pieces they bring in and move like a business. Yes, there is always money to be made, but for many of us, the hobby is still about collecting, not selling. A Hakes auction catalog is always exciting. It's interesting to see what rare and unique pieces appear within the pages. At its core, it's another topic for collectors to discuss in great detail, whether it's in the predictions before the auction or the shock over certain prices after bidding has ended. In the days leading up to Hake's Auction 234, I received a message. One of the consigners responsible for a third of the Star Wars items in the auction had heard the episodes Matt and I did about the catalog and wanted to speak with me. I was curious, so I left my email address and waited for his note. Later that afternoon, he sent me an email titled Hakes and saying goodbye to my collection. He introduced himself and said he had enjoyed the podcast episodes so far and had been touched by the reverence and passion for collecting that Matt and I possessed. But his next line made me sit up in my chair. He wrote, The hobby has truly been a solo endeavor 
as none of my friends collect. So for the better part of the last 25 years, I've never really talked to anyone about it in any detail. He called the podcast episodes an amazing gift and left his phone number. This is a conversation with a collector who, after 25 years and for good reason, parted with his beloved vintage Star Wars action figure collection. This is the story of one collector's journey, ending with a joyous celebration as the hobby that he loves gave back to him in a meaningful and significant way. This is another Hakes 234 conversation, co-hosted by author, collector, Chipotle survivor, and Hulk maniac, and dear friend, Matt George. This is an honor and a blessing. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. spoke on the phone that night. He shared how he became a collector, what he looked for when buying carded figures, and most importantly, what collecting Star Wars figures meant to him. He was warm and affable, and had a genuine appreciation for the things we collectors love. By the end of our conversation, I felt like I had known Paul for years, and I was rooting for him. The Hakes event meant something different to me at that moment as well. The auction was no longer 300 pieces that had somehow floated into an auction house in York, Pennsylvania. One-third of these pieces, the high-grade carded run, came from somebody I knew. And they were the culmination of a curated collection built across decades, with the care and precise eye and joy of someone who delved into this world because he simply enjoyed it. He told me why he was parting with his collection, and it made sense. His family was his priority, especially over a hobby. But it was a hobby that had served him well and would serve him well. He asked me what I thought of the prices and told me he was very happy with the results so far. I remember telling him, You have two days to go, and most of the bidding happens in the last hour, and really in the last few minutes of each lot. Matt and I had been watching the auction carefully during the time in which we covered the catalog. We could see there was momentum, and we could feel where certain pieces were ready to spring as the auction closed. And it felt like this auction was going to be a very memorable one. I said to Paul, I don't think you understand where this one is heading. I think you'll be very, very happy with the results, though. 
The night of the auction, I prayed for Paul and that Hakes 234 would be a blessing for him and for his family. And Matt and I watched the prices rise to shocking results and then soar another 20 miles beyond that. We had been left pretty speechless by the results, and when I contacted Paul later that evening, he was speechless as well. Overwhelmed was how he described it. None of us expected to see these prices when the final hammer dropped on auction 234. And for Paul, it was an amazing send-off to a collection that brought him happiness and enjoyment for years. He said to me that while he collected, he never really thought about the financial side of it. It was a hobby. He never expected anything like this. And that's where the real win occurs. The reward for collecting was in the years of learning about the pieces and in the journey itself. Hunting for them and chasing them down and winning them. Debut card backs, clear bubbles, AFA grades of 85. Tough standards to obtain, but that specificity, it makes the hunt even more exciting. The money he got from the auction was a bonus. It was almost like the hobby he loved and still loves surprised him at the end of it. It was a thank you for the time and attention paid to exploring it to diving into it, to loving it. When the auction ended, I asked Paul if he would like to join Matt and me for a conversation about the auction and his collecting story. I wanted you to get to know him because he collected for so long, 25 years by himself, without being a direct part of the collecting community. And yet, he is just like you. He loves Star Wars. When he talks about it, you can hear the spark in his voice that's been there since childhood. And it's a magical thing. Star Wars resonated with him when the original films premiered and still resonates with him to this day, with or without his collection. He has the heart of a collector and is a wonderful, thoughtful person. And I want you to hear his story. Unique in many ways, but at its core, it's one we all share. So please, join us for a conversation about Star Wars and collecting, and the shock and blessings of the recent Hakes auction. I'm going to go get Matt and Paul, so please save a seat for each of us. Let's get to know the collector who sold his entire Star Wars collection at Hakes Auction 234. George, it's been quite a while since we've been back together. How are I mean, you doing today? It's been like, what, minutes? I, yeah, about an hour, I think, yes. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot to cover. Uh, we were fortunate we were able to go over the first and second part of the Hakes auction um, in, in the episodes that we did, where we looked at the realized prices and the amazing, incredible, shocking realized prices of this auction and, uh, and now we're here to do one more special episode. Uh, we are joined today by a, a very special person, someone that we met uh, just recently uh, within the last few add, days. You can actually hear him smiling 
Yes. <laughs> yes. A grin from ear to ear. Uh, and so it is our friend, Paul McGuire, um, who comes from Toronto, who works in media and is just a, a fantastic guy and is part of the reason why we had this wonderful Hakes auction. So, um, Paul, thank you for joining us. It's so nice to finally, you know, get to, to chat with you. And uh, we've been looking forward to this for a little while. Oh, my God. I, I've spent a, a great part of my career interviewing um, athletes and entertainers and whatever. And I, I can't I'm, I'm st- more starstruck now uh, being on a podcast with you guys <laughs> than I that I have been before, because, you know, this is Star Wars collecting has been my passion, you know, like like interviewing people for movies or yeah, albums that you don't have a, you know, if you don't have a dog in that fight, that's a different thing. But when you're talking, when you listen to people like you guys, your, your acumen, your passion, your respect for the genre is so important. Uh, and so appreciated, I think by everybody that listens to you to, to be on this with you is, is a real honor. So thanks for having me. Well, we're, we're happy that you're joining us and, and we are really happy for you. Um, so you were part of the Hakes auction. Um, I, Matt and I found this out very recently. Uh, we were contacted by somebody who said that you know you were you were um, you had heard the podcast and you would like to to speak with us and yeah. uh, and so we each had the chance to chat with you uh, leading up to the auction and um, uh, Matt said he hated you, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and hey, that's, that's, that's a I take that, that's a badge of honor. I wear it proudly. <laughs> Matt said no, no way. But no, but we, uh, but uh, but anyway. So, but we both had a chance to chat with you, and we just thought it would be really special for you to join us in a conversation about collecting and about the Hakes auction because you are a collector, and your story is amazing. And um, so, you know, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just kind of explain to people um, basically how you got here, you know, and, and how you how you started collecting. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, with all due respect, to the Hakes auction incredible collection of everything outside of star Wars and action figures and everything. I was so happy to receive from Kelly McLean who works at Hakes and he's a great guy. Um, he sent me the, the catalog, uh, and just, I mean, man, oh man, it, it is uh, a pop culture archive that I think is incredibly important and not just pop culture, just a cultural ar- archive. that's incredibly important. And I think might be, uh, in the years to come seen as, especially as we are more and more digital, the fact that this thing exists as a, a physical catalog um, might be seen as a really important document to uh, show how um, people are nostalgic for the past, how they respect the past, how they catalog the past, uh, you know, to, to, you know, pun intended. But it was um, it, it, when I, when I, I guess I, I should tell you how I got into uh, collecting in the first place. And the fact that I'm co- included in that catalog is a bit of a fluke. I loved Star Wars as a kid. I, I, it was the first time I had, and this is not a unique journey, the first time I had experienced an entertainment that made me feel like it was not created. It just This is a world that really existed, so Star Wars was important to me. That's a beautiful a, way of putting it, too. Yeah. Just is that right? That's, yeah. yeah, I like the way you said that. Yeah. Oh, okay, good, good. I'm glad. Uh, I didn't want it to sound cliche, because truly, that's how I feel about it. I didn't think, you know, movie cameras were there, you know, makeup artists were there. It just felt like this place existed. And the fact that that could be created by other people made me want to get into the entertainment industry. I have not in that capacity, but uh, in a peripheral capacity. And and I I still, I credit Star Wars for that. I was um, lucky enough to be an entertainment reporter traveling occasionally from time to time in the 90s. uh, And I went down to, to Manhattan wants to cover a movie and, and had a, a day off and was wandering around Alphabet City and ended up wandering into uh, 
uh, a store that sold old Broadway uh, costumes and uh, action figures and jewelry and all of that stuff. And I saw an X-Wing fighter hanging from the ceiling, you know, with the fishing wire. And I was like, oh, my God. And it, it, it really was. It was like displayed like you would do in a, in a kid's bedroom. It was beautiful. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, how much is that? And I, I, I honestly, if I get it accurately, it was less than $100 at the time. And this is maybe 1994, 95. Uh, and I'm like, that's coming home with me. <laughs> and I'm like, do you have, is there any chance there's like a, somebody to drive this thing? And uh, uh, they had it, a loose Luke X-Wing pilot. And so I bought that. It was probably $25. And so I felt complete. And I went home with, with that collection in, in, my, in my suitcase back to Toronto from New York. Uh, did I declare it? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But I do remember the feeling of pushing down on R2-D2's head and the, the, the click of the wings of the X-Foils and all of that. And, and that started me collecting loose figures which I then did. And this is, by the way, this is before eBay. I should clarify. This was before eBay. So um, I could not like just go online and automatically find, oh, I need a, a Dengar. I need a whatever. There, there, was no, there was no catalog of any of that stuff at that time. So, and no price guides either. I mean, for that's the right. most part. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You were just kind of like, at the, you know, maybe your buddy had some uh, uh, stuff that his mom hadn't thrown out yet in his basement. Oh yeah, you want my loose stuff? I got that. There's no weapons or anything, but I'm going to give that to you. And I did. I had a couple of friends who contributed to the collection and I appreciated that as well. But um, I eventually had the, the, the entire loose collection um, just from some trips down to New York and back to that store and some garage sales and stuff like that. And then um, I ended up making you know, some, I, I got a couple of adult jobs that paid relatively well and I still wasn't married and didn't have kids. So I'm like, oh my God, I could get a couple of carded examples. These exist. <laughs> and I, I ended up buying a couple of those and then eBay and then everything else. And uh, it, it, was a, it has been a 25-year journey. And of the, I suppose, I got to about, eight, I think I have 89 of the 93, not including uh, like Max Rebo and just the single first release figures from each film from from star wars to jedi and power of the force the first release of each figure i had at least one of those items and i was looking for 85s across the board i missed on a couple uh i had a leia that was a canada 80 i think and um my vinyl jawa was a 75 but oh my god We'll get to that later. Yes. Um, uh, but I got, I got pretty damn close. There's a tragic story I'll save for later about my yak face. Uh, but I, I, I so enjoyed the, uh, the online experience of trying to find things and talking to a few different people. I, I was never involved in any Facebook groups or anything, as, as I've told both you and Matt on phone conversations. It was, this was my solo project, man. Um, you know, I was working, then I, then I ended up getting married and you know, friends doing different things. And I was in a band for a bit. This was just kind of the thing that I did before I'd go to sleep every night, I would have a little look and I'd have some, you know, the saved searches on eBay and whatever. And if something would pop up, I'd see, okay, that's pretty good. That's a yellow car. I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to wait for this one. And, uh, over the course of, of, you know, 20 plus years, I put together this collection that was in a little room in my basement. It was displayed before I had kids in one of the rooms that I would, you know, used to call my office, uh, and then 
when the kid, the kids came, multiple kids, it was like, okay, that's going, that's hiding away. And my kids, uh, on my son's bunk bed right now, my, my nine-year-old son Jack's bunk bed right now, there's a loose B-wing, an Imperial <laughs> shuttle, a Millennium Falcon, uh, uh, Slave One, and they're all there. And my kids aren't playing with those. They're playing NBA 2K 2022 or whatever they're doing, right? They're, they're fully down that, that video game rabbit hole. So they don't really care about that stuff. I'm not, the loose stuff is going to stick around. I've got the figures. There's a Boba Fett and, uh, uh, what's, what else is behind me? There's a, a Bosque right behind me and a Han in, in Hoth uniform right behind me. They're all loose, but, uh, it was, uh, yeah, that's how it started. And then it became like a serious adult thing that I was doing. I didn't talk to anybody about it. They had no idea how much I was spending, what the value of anything was, what the market was like. This was my own little endeavor. And to people out there who are investing in like 401ks and RSPs on the North side of the border, um, this has been far more, uh, <laughs> a, a much better return I've discovered. Ludicrous, than yes. It, it is, it is, it has been. So there, there's, that's how it started because of my job, Alphabet City, that little store, uh, loose figures, and then all of the, uh, the beautiful and, and, you know, thank, thank God for the great people at the action figure authority down there. Uh, they were, they were so good. And, uh, it, I always enjoyed sending figures down there. I remember finding a, a Darth Vader carded for $400. I bought it for $400. Beautiful example. It was shipped. And, and I've heard you guys talk about this, the danger of shipping and the worry that you have when things get shipped. Terrifying. This thing was sh- shipped and terrifying, right? It was shipped to my house and I get this beautiful example of a, of a Darth Vader, um, 12 back and it's beautiful. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this thing is awesome. So now I'm going to wrap it up and now, and now I'm going to ship it from Toronto to Georgia to the action figure authority. And, uh, uh, and it comes back and it's an AFA 85. So it goes from being, I bought it for $400. It immediately that day was worth, and this is 15 years ago. It was worth $4,000 <laughs> that day. Uh, and I was like, I think th- this feels pretty cool. And I just, I just kept putting them away in, in my bed and kind of trying to forget about them. At the same time, it was kind of like my little secret. I'd like to share something with you. Um, yeah. So the, the three of us have not met. We have, we have not spoken to you up until, I think it was like two days ago, right? Yeah. Where you, you reached out to us. Um, but I want to share something with you. Uh, so December 23rd, 2015. Hey Dave, it's been a bit of an addiction for about 20 years. Started with loose and then got carried away. I have graded about 50% of them myself and bought the rest already graded. I still need an FX7, a Dengar, Leia Hoth, Luke Hoth, Adat Commander, Luke Jedi, Emperor's Royal Guard, Rancor Keeper, and of course, Anakin. Oof. Oh my god. Trying oh my god. to avoid wise, meaning yellow bubbles. That was a message that I received from you. Uh, oh my you, God. you and I, we, we talked about it, um, that the, uh, the, the snow trooper that you had was mine and you and I had relayed messages, uh, to one another and your messages, for, your message always stuck out in my mind. And then when I saw that, that snow trooper again, so that was 2015. Um, and I remember being very happy because that, that the snow trooper was a really tough one to get. Um, it, and I just, you know, I, I was, I was hoping that it would go into the hands of a, of a solid collector. And when you and I spoke, um, I felt very comfortable knowing that it was going to land with you. I didn't know you. I just, you know, I just, you just, the, the name was just Paul, uh, and this was over eBay. And, um, 
So last night I looked up my, you know, through my archive to see if I still had uh, messages <laughs> from you and, and that email is still there. So oh I thought that was really cool that we talked, you know, seven years before this and didn't know each other. I can't, I'm so uh, honestly uh, shocked and so proud of you for holding that back from, uh, from, from until right now. I'm looking at the figure. I'm looking at the figure on the listing right now. That's incredible, man. I can't yeah. believe. So we were connected before all of this. That's, yeah. that's, that just, that's something that just shows you how powerful the community is, right? David, it you really should, is. You, you should have bid on that Hoth Trooper. <laughs> you should have kept it in the family circle. <laughs> Do you, you know, a part of me wanted to, yes. Do you remember what you sold it to for? Uh, I I do. Um, it was it was a price that to me. Uh, so the reason why I sold it was when I got it. Um, I had been collecting for a few years at that point, and I wasn't spending a ton of money. Um, I actually bought that item for one hundred and seventy dollars. Okay. At at a local toy show here, it was a you know great find. I was thrilled to get it. When I got it graded, it came back at eighty fives, straight eighty fives. It was gorgeous, and the value on it because it was graded and because it was straight 85s had soared to the point where I was no longer comfortable owning it. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I wanted to make sure that if I parted with it, um, that it went to someone that I could trust and went to a good collector. And so you and I had a, a number of, of, um, emails back and forth and, yeah. uh, and then I think, were you asking me what, what, um, what I sold it for? Oh, I, I, it honestly doesn't matter, but, um, okay. I, I, if, if you want to share that, you can. Uh, so I, at the time it was 1200 and okay. I thought, okay, that, you know, for 2015, I mean, that was a, a fantastic price and I, I was happy to, to let it go at that price. And, um, I remember, you know, you bought it pretty quickly and, and you seemed really thrilled to, to pick that one up. So I think both of us were happy with it. And, um, you know, for, for honestly, for me, I'm still happy about it and knowing that it, it was with you all that time makes me really happy. Well, isn't that, that's one of the great things when buyer and seller are both happy. And that's, that's, that's so good. Uh, when, when that stuff happens, I, I think I'm looking at it right now. It was 2,400 bucks, I think. And that's seven years later. So I, right. I mean, I, I think arguably you got the better deal. <laughs> I think back well, then, uh, yeah, considering I, inflation, I think you maybe got the better deal. I, I, um, when I, when I saw it end, when I saw the, the, uh, it end at, at, at that price, I looked and I said, okay, so for me, I felt like I had sold it at what would have been like a 2018 price. And that's why yeah. I was happy to part with it because they weren't really going for 1200 at that time, but you yeah. just, you didn't really see them. Um, and then shortly after, I mean, they, they really started to build. So, but, um, I just, I wanted to share that and surprise you. So. I, I'm so, I'm so happy you did that. And, and I, it makes this all that much more like special to me that, that we're doing this and that your podcast connected with me, with me so much knowing now that, that we'd actually contacted each other before. That's incredible. A, a little, just a quick aside, the fact that you were like, this is too valuable for me to hang on to kind of plays very importantly into one of the reasons why I decided to part with the collection. And that's because I'd had it for so long, um, and, and been amassing it and, and, and putting it together and putting the pieces together. I had a horrible accident. I mentioned this to Matt the other day. Uh, I dropped my yak face. I had an 80, I have an eight, a graded 80. This is a horrible thing. I don't even like talking about it. My stomach is clenching as you're saying. No, it's, it's brutal. Uh, um, Kelly McLean at, at Hakes is dealing with this right now. Uh, it fell about four feet. Um, and it went from being straight 85 yak face Canada cart, like the whole thing, like probably would have gone for 
plus 20 on this auction. Sure. And is probably going to be regraded and worth, I don't know, five. So there you go. I, I, I'm swallowing the thing because the loose figures are worth five and it's that and it's uh, on a broken bubble now. And it was at that moment in my life uh, when I started the collection, I didn't have kids, didn't have a house, didn't have a mortgage, didn't have any of that stuff. And it was at that point when I realized um, I wasn't able to display them. They were in, you know, in a, in a room in the basement, kind of locked away that the uh, not that they're perishable items, which, you know, ultimately, you know, paintings, vintage cars, they're all perishable. Items. You buy a, you know, you buy a GTO or, or a 512 TR or a, a 959. You're, you're not, you're not driving that car every day. You're putting it somewhere. Um, I realized that I was, I probably, it was probably a good time to part with the collection um, for a logical reason for my family and all of that stuff. I had talked to my insurance company about insuring my collection, by the way. And they were like, yeah, we're going to send over an expert. They got to look at each item. And I'm like, look, listen, here's the, the problem with this is that there's no expert about this stuff. We are the experts, right? There's nobody in Canada that has a greater understanding of the value of these figures than me. There really isn't at that point. And not to sound, it is not to sound, uh, uh, you know, arrogant or anything, but I've been in this for you know, two decades. So if you send me somebody, all they're going to do is look at eBay for the last price that one of these figures sold for. And then that's what they're going to insure it for. And that's kind of not really the road I want to go down. So I wasn't able to insure the collection. And when that yak face fell in slow motion, you guys can picture it right now, mm-hmm. right? It's horrible, horrible to think about because how, how few of those exist. Um, it was at that moment that I thought, okay, and, and honestly, not just from a uh, not just from a financial point of view, but because I wanted to keep it a pristine collection, mm-hmm. and why I didn't want it have, to get damaged. But why Sorry. couldn't it have been a yellow bubble? White Bespin guard. (laughs) ATSD driver. Whatever it was. You want to know why? Because I was an idiot and brought it out to show somebody who came over one night. They're like, you want to see? And I had it out. I never had anything out. It was out. I made that mistake. And what a costly mistake. Now, yeah, again, I know it's brutal to talk about. I'm sorry. We should we should put maybe a um, a warning at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it might uh, trigger, trigger some trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I think I think this is a really good point because yeah. what we've been seeing in our hobby, and I think you know Matt can definitely speak to this as well too, is we're seeing a lot of people coming in who are investors and who are kind of jumping on stuff and flipping it, you know, or or making their way into the community, connecting with people so that they can get stuff to then you know flip. And, uh, or, or just, you know, people seeing these items as investment pieces and not necessarily collectibles or things that, that maybe they care about. Yeah. And we've all had this happen where you have this piece that you get that you love and either it happens, you know, in transit or it happens at, at, at home, um, where one will break and it be, it, all of a sudden the money that you're putting into this stuff and the time that you're putting into it becomes very real and and can be you know scary because you know these a lot of these pieces are forty year old pieces and yeah. it's very hard to um, to preserve them you know and and to not have stuff happen and, and when something like that does especially to a piece as big as a power of the force carded <sighs> yak face uh, you know it, it's understandable that that yeah. you know why you would why you would then want to part with some of this stuff. It was not in the auction this time around because we're getting it regraded and it'll be, you know, available at some point. But uh, just uh, 
Yeah, that was uh, any. Yeah, yeah. It's it's again, it's a tough one to talk about. It's, especially, you know, would it be harder if it was the if it was my Luke, my my twelve back Luke? Yeah, because Luke's vital to the entire franchise. Yak Face was like an ancillary character and all of that stuff, but still one of those ones that was like, man, if you have that, it's like an Anakin or something, right? Like the crappy figure, but worth a ton. And that's not what my whole collection was about. So I was, I love the snow, the, the snow trooper way more than I love the yak face. Right. Yeah. But the yak <laughs> face was worth a ton. So when it fell, I was like, man, oh man, I am, this is like, these are impermanent. I, I, I'm no longer qualified to take care of these things. And maybe it's time to, uh, to see what's going on. And, and, and you know what? Uh, kudos to everybody at Hakes. They've been so lovely. And I know this is not a, a you know, a sponsored podcast or anything like that, but uh, Kelly at Hakes, I, I called him out of the blue. I just gave him a call because his number was on there. And I, I, told, I explained to him what my situation was. And he's like, we need to chat. This would be really, really good. Because this is what he does. He travels around the country and the world trying to find people who've got kind of cool things in their basement that they didn't know were, were going to be worth a ton. And he's got an incredibly interesting and difficult job. And he was so kind and genuine the whole way walking me through this whole thing up until today when, you know, the day after everything finishes, I, I don't know when people are listening to this, but I'm like, hey, so, you know, what happens now? And he's like, uh, now we try and the dust settles and everybody tries to collect cash and put things out there and do all that stuff. So he's been, uh, he and everybody at Hakes, their catalog is so perfect. No typos, no spelling errors. The photographs are beautiful. The descriptions are accurate and intricate. They do a great job, man. I'm so happy with them. And they really are mementos, especially from, you know, a big auction like this, where there are so many, there were 300 total pieces for Star Wars in yeah. this catalog. Um, Matt, do you, do you have anything that you'd like to, uh, to ask Paul? Yeah. So Paul, uh, a couple questions. The, First one, is there a piece of yours that was uh, maybe the, your favorite of the bunch? And why was it your favorite? Wow. Uh, I mean, I think it comes down to, I think it comes down to the, the memory of opening figures. And I remember uh, so clearly, for some reason, uh, I mean, we all, unfortunately, and this pro- this won't age well, but Princess Leia didn't get a lot of love, right? And and the figure, you know, your boys in the late seventies and the early eighties and whatever. Princess Leia didn't get a lot of love. I remember opening up R two D two. So ma- I I must have got uh, maybe three or four R two D twos in my life, I think. And I remember uh, twelve backs. And this is like wh- that age when they were, you know, how how much did they cost in nineteen seventy nine? Buck ninety nine. Thank you. Uh, Two for whatever, <laughs> right? Um, I think it, it's R2 and, and 3PO. I really do. I think those two figures um, that may seem like, I know they're the, they're the, the voices that w- through which we see the, the movies and stuff. And I, I, it's not a cop out. It's just that I remember so clearly opening those up and the arms of R2 and the arms of 3PO being hard to move at first more than I remember anything else. Maybe Chewbacca and his, and you know, his gun. It was, that was one of them as well, but I think it's R2 and 3PO. Uh, other than that, I'll, I'll fast forward to 
the Luke, the, the, the power of the force Luke in stormtrooper gear, which is, um, and I'm trying to open up the, uh, the, the actual one in the collection right now. Uh, if I can, that did not exist when I was a kid. Like I, I had, I was already off the hobby. I, I wasn't buying anything in 1985 anymore. I was 14 years old and things were, things were much different, but that figure to me, like the whole idea of who was under the stormtrooper helmets was so important to me. I wondered what was going on under there before we'd heard the term clone wars, but we didn't know what it meant at that point yet, I believe. And it didn't know, you know, sure. Are you a little short for a stormtrooper? Yeah. The fact that you could take the helmet off of a stormtrooper was a big deal. So that figure to me, um, I think as an adult looking back is, is pretty important. And I, this is just a little personal aside for my 40th birthday, a bunch of, I, th- I think I told you guys this on the phone. Um, a bunch of friends threw a, a birthday party for me and the gift that they gave me collectively was a licensed, uh, Lucasfilm stormtrooper outfit molded from the original stormtrooper thing. So I, I've got that here and my kids are, they, they, they were disappointed many years in a row as I out Halloween them a few years in a row. So, uh, it's great. <laughs> I think I think it might be the the Luke Stormtrooper. Yeah, you got to have scoreboard on the kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get every take advantage of every possible scoreboard situation because <laughs> they rapidly run out the older you get. Yeah, I, um, they're getting there. Uh, second question, kind of a silly question: What's one figure or card back or something from the lion that you just thought was just ridiculous? Oh, that's good, man. That's a good coming question. from you. That's a, such a good question coming from you because you <laughs> you think so many of them are ridiculous. I love that. Uh, well, I mean, I suppose that the whole idea of there being a white and a black uh, Bespin security guard is like kind of hasn't aged very well. So maybe we uh, we need to take that into consideration. Um, it was always interesting to me that there were there were important figures in the line and then they would spend time on figures that didn't have any impact whatsoever. And I think you've mentioned, uh, there, there's, uh, what's a great example of Klaatu. Okay. With, with he's, <laughs> he's named after his species or race, not even, you know, he wasn't even given a name for the, the, uh, the line. And, and and I should have done the prep on this before, but those names are from the 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 words that are spoken from the aliens that walk out of the ship in Clatu uh, Niktu Baradu, right? That, yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, like, and there being more than one Clatu, I think that might be it. I think that might be the most ridiculous one. The Rebel Commander in Return of the Jedi might be might be it for me, though. It's green. It's like he's just like a guy with a gun. Uh, Rebel Commando. Sorry, not Commander. Rebel Commando. General Maydeen was also pretty lame. But, he, <laughs> but dude, he got 16 bids and, and sold for almost $1,500. I don't... But the, So it became... When I was collecting, it really wasn't about uh, what figures were the most important. I know a lot of people have... Uh, and um, I, I loved... I got, I got a little bit of direction when I first started collecting... 
make sure you know what you're collecting. What kind of collection are you going to put together? Are you going to try and be a completionist and get all of the figures? Are you going to try and get all the Lukes, all of this, all of that? Um, and my thing was just to try and get all the first releases of all the figures that were released. Uh, and that was that was a really uh, a good one because that's that made the General Maidine, for example, as important to me as Snaggletooth or whatever, right? Yes, and a lot of people don't understand that, but it's true. If you're if you're chasing the the figures appearing on these debut cards, as you said, General Maidine becomes just as important, and these ones that are secondary and tertiary characters all of a sudden become main characters for your collection. And harder, and some of them are harder to find because nobody cared about them at all. Right. Yeah. And you were going for clear bubbles, correct? Yeah. And and then I, you know, I've heard you guys in your in the previous podcast talking about as as they, you know, as you get into the Empire and Jedi, and especially in the seventy seven backs and stuff, how the the yellow bubbles are just commonplace and become kind of accepted. I was trying to go for clear bubbles, and I did spend a little extra if I found a clear bubble. Um, I had a car not that long ago. And it would constantly, uh, there were, there was corrosion on the rear quarter panels. And I talked to a guy about the car and he's like, it was just the type of metal they were using at the time. If you want to stop this from happening, you basically have to redo the car. You have to like, you know, you have to redo the car from the, you know, bottom up. It's kind of the same thing. It was just the materials they were using at the time. I think you guys probably know this as well, right? It's the the plastics or the the technology and the, the chemicals they were using at the time were just prone to yellowing. As things, I don't know if it's because they spent less money on stuff or whatever was available on the planet coming from, you know, all around the world. But uh, it just becomes, and, and Matt, you were particularly harsh on my uh, Wicket W. Warwick orange bubble. <laughs> I, I remember you guys, by the you guys milked that joke for a long I loved it. I love that you keep going back and back and hitting that again. But the orange bubble, I was like bowing my head in the car, listening to the podcast going, ouch, I'm embarrassed about that orange bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your fault. I mean, when you bought it, it was probably clear. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think it was, but I, I still bought it. <laughs> Good old Wistry, yeah. Wicked Wistry War. <laughs> Everybody's got. You're so right about that. The, you know, all of these things that you're pointing out as you go through, uh, and you're realizing as you go through, who has middle names or last names? These they're they're bears on a planet. It's excellent. And why do some of them have it and some of them don't? And then why yeah. would you abbreviate? I mean, Matt, you you brilliantly pointed this out, and uh, it's been just rolling through my head for the last few days. Like there, there's a there's an inconsistency with Ewoks yeah. and names. Yeah, that's definitely an earworm that I planted. That uh, you're going to be <laughs> ruining the day whenever we started talking about that. It's and and when you you think about like figures like Squidhead, I mean, that's not his name. That's just what he looks like. So that was his nickname. It, you know, and so totally different than, you know, say Klaatu or whatever. And and by the way, Squidhead's photo is the worst photo of all the card backs. Can we agree? That's a bold it, statement right there. Yeah. It, <laughs> is it is it worse than Rees with a drink in his hand looking through what looks like Venetian blinds, uh, just pondering like the, the, the darkness of life? It, it Squidhead just looks like a, it looks like a, like a leftover for some James, James Cameron underwater, like fake, like deep sea dive creature thing. <laughs> like it's not even like a thing that wasn't even shot on set. And before digital photography, it's horrible. That gentleman been, makes a point. I've always <laughs> been impartial to the uh, stupidity of the Bib Fortuna card back. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I was saying to, to David, I think it might have been on the podcast about was, how yeah. he, he must have turned the corner and seen Lay in the bikini for the first time. And he gives, <laughs> kind of gives it that like O face or whatever he's got. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I think you're right. That's my vote. <laughs> Which of the, so I guess we can use this as a segue into talking about some of the results in the auction. But yeah. Like, what was the one piece that you saw when the bids were coming in? Just like, I'm, I can't believe that this piece is is there. Now, you can't say the Medine. Now, you were talking about <laughs> Medine earlier. We've actually given a nickname to your Medine. Yes. If you, if you, <laughs> if you know, then you know. But the, the Tri-Logo Medine is like one of the rarest, if not the rarest. It's the rarest, yeah. Production card in the world. And you know, is the, are you guys pulling my chain right now? No, or is no, real? it's it's real. He's the, the hardest. Tri, the Tri Logo General Medine is the it, is the rarest. It, it it's is the, the rarest holy tri-logo. grail of production mocks. Yes, and okay. and uh, so we. This is not a joke. Wait for anyone listening. Truly, Matt, yeah, you are not joking. The Medine is Medine on the Tri Logo one is complete. It's it's Medine, and then I think it's the Jawa after that, and maybe Fett. But it's it's yeah, ultra ultra rare, impossible to find. They go for. Thousands, what twenty thousand, at least, yeah. And so, anyway, your your Bedeen went for I think seventeen hundred, and so that was just a shocking sum. So we started calling your Medine the uh, Unilogo Medine. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So that, you're going the other way, the Unilogo. That, that's a new term. That's great. That was. Uh, that was one of the pieces to me that just kind of stuck out because that's always been such a peg warmer and yeah, no one really cares about that. Unloved. The try logo. I but, love uh, it. What, what was the one item where you saw it, you were just like, what is happening right now? Well, I tell you what. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to, and thanks to Kelly at Hakes and everything for letting me know how to follow along with this stuff. Cause I, I mean, I haven't said this before. I've never been involved in anything like this before. All I'd ever done, I never sold anything before. I think maybe I've, I've sold a couple of things on eBay, not Star Wars figures, never sold anything. So this was the first time I'd ever parted with anything, let alone in an auction. Um, Sotheby's I'd looked at, you know, I was aware on the planet earth that there were auctions that did these kinds of things, but it was, it was through talking to Kelly and Hakes and that, that made me do this. And, um, uh, so I was a little bit, yeah, I, I emailed him, I think, uh, maybe six or seven days ago now. And I'm like, Hey, just, uh, w- wondering like how this works. Like, I know you have a, a minimum kind of like, you know, the, whatever they call that the reserve amount. And I'm like, if, if, if it's 500 bucks for whatever, and somebody bids 500 bucks and nobody else bids, do they get it or can I stop it? And he's like, no, 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 this is done, dude. Like, okay, probably a question I should have asked before I shipped everything down to Pennsylvania, but, uh, I, I, it, it panicked me for a second because it it looked thing. And he's like, Oh, by the way, you don't have to worry about anything The the auction has already started. And then I looked on and he gave me, uh, the, the way to go and look at these things. Again, I, I know I sound like granddad saying, can you fix my flashing VCR that says 12 noon, (laughs) but um, having never been involved in this world before, I was a bit like concerned about a couple of them. One of which was my 12 back Luke, you know, the 85 it's, it's a, it's beautiful. It is, um, 
uh, you were asking me before about what was the most important, and I said R two and three PO. But you know, it's Luke. It's it's a it's a beautiful example. It's pop art. It's history. It's a piece of. It could be in the Smithsonian. This piece, right? And it was at like $3,000 or something like that. And I don't remember exactly what I paid for it. I think I, I bought it ungraded for less than $2,000 and then got it graded. But it, it was one of those ones where the snipers were waiting and I had no idea. And when I talked to Kelly, he's like, dude, the majority of the bids happen on the day, the last day of the auction. 50% of the bids happen on the last day of the auction. And that thing shot through the roof. I thought, because on eBay at the time, and this is 24 hours ago, uh, there was an, an 85 12 back Luke that was being offered for, I think, nine or $10,000. Uh, it wasn't quite this, this item, but I was like, okay, all right. But it, mine at the time on Hakes was at like three. I'm like, man, I don't, I love to pull that back. Can I buy it? And I can't because I'm the, the consigner. <laughs> Uh, and it ended up going for $18,500. So I, it, it did. Kelly was exactly right. And I was just, I, I am floored. I'm not floored that it went for that because it's the, it's the most important character in the Star Wars universe, Luke Skywalker. And it went for that. So uh, that was one that I was, that I was like, what? Um, the biggest wow to me, other than that, and, and people listening, I, I hope this doesn't sound... Uh, uh, we're talking about this. If you're listening to the podcast, you care about the numbers. And if I'm not sharing the numbers, then you're going to think I'm being a, you know, n- not authentic. So I'm just going to share it with you. Um, I purchased the 12 back AFA 75 uh, plus vinyl Jawa 10 years ago. Wait, can, for, Matt, uh, can Matt and I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Matt, what do you think? When, when did you buy it? Uh, it? It's between 10 and 12 years ago. Graded or ungraded? It was it was graded already. Yes, I will guess forty five hundred. It was less than that. I will guess less than forty five hundred. <laughs> You're right. It was less than forty five hundred. Uh, no, I'm going to say uh, twenty eight hundred. Yeah, it was about that. It honestly, it was about that. It was about twenty eight hundred dollars US. Uh. 10 years. It sold for $30,750.50. And with the buyer's premium, that pushed it over to 36000 which is uh, just you know, an insane yeah. amount of money for a vinyl carded, vinyl caped carded and, job. And again, you know, panicky. No, I wasn't panicking, but watching it, it, this thing went through the roof in the last like two hours, the last two hours of the auction. There are people out there who know what they're talking about. And maybe, as you mentioned before, David, that, that, that there are people out there who realize the uh, investment potential on some of these things, you know, like vintage cars, vintage Ferraris, vintage Rolexes, all of these things. There, there are few, a few things on the planet that look like they are almost guaranteed to go up in value. I cannot imagine, and you know, congratulations to the person that got that Jawa. Cause I mean, I love that thing and I was so happy to have it. <laughs> yeah. But I cannot imagine it going. Uh, uh, wh- wh- you do the math. What is that? Three thousand to thirty thousand uh, in ten years. It's pretty easy math, actually, if you're good at math. Um, I can't imagine it doing it again. And is it going to be sixty thousand dollars in ten years? That's what Matt and I were talking about today. Where you know we said um, 
if if a 75 sells for after the buyer's premium 36 what is an 80 what is an 85 right right and uh, and where will this 75 be in 2 years yeah yeah mind blowing i mean the just recently the 85s of that vinyl cave job where we're going for you know 25 and here a 75 goes for 36 that that was to me the the biggest single shocker in this whole deal yeah me too man was there a piece that a piece from your collection now you had said your your collection was mostly the carded graded figures correct yeah that's right okay were they the kenner canada ones and the domestic kenner ones no my my goal was because obviously um I wanted a U.S. collection. It's just a few times. I mean, my, my Princess Leia was a uh, 12 back 85 Kenner Canada. There just was no, when I was in the market and when I was paying attention and doing all of that stuff, there was no AFA 85, like non-Canada, uh, for lack of a better term, Leia. So it was the one I got when I got it. I got a good price on it. And it, I was happy that it was in the collection. Um, so my, my goal was with the collection was the entire collection complete us first releases, 85s across the board. That was the criteria. So the Canada ones are just, they happen to be in there because at whatever point, uh, one was available and I grabbed it. Okay. So you are thrilled with the vinyl Cape Jawa. Um, my question to you would be going through each line. So just, you know, maybe one from star Wars, one from empire, one from Jedi and one from, um, power of the force. Yeah. Um, if you can give us an example of one from each that, that also made you really happy with, with the price realized one that you were, you know, rooting would, would, uh, you know, would go high and, and and that did. And then maybe one from each line or just one overall that was, um, that you were surprised that it didn't sell for more. And, and that might be a personal thing where you were just like, I love this piece so much. I want to see this go for a hundred thousand dollars. And it, yeah, it's no, it's a good question. Um, I was a little bit surprised that the, uh, the Vader 12 back C AFA 85 near mint plus Takara didn't go for higher because when I bought that, I mean, I think I paid like $1,200 for that like 10 years ago and it sold for 2750. I thought there would be a bit because it's, it was really rare. And, um, I guess people just want the, the, the original, the original American release, which I get, but uh, I mean, it's a white background, which is pretty rare. Um, I think it might be, uh, more rare than the actual uh, American release, the white back with the Takara sticker, I thought might, uh, get some, some of the, the guys that like the, uh, you know, the outliers, I thought that might've have, have, you know, garnered a little bit more interest. It did not, but that's okay. You know, it was, uh, it's still, it's still held up. Boba Fett was bonkers. Obviously we know that we know that the, you, Matt, your, uh, your rocket firing thing, man, $200,000. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, one day we'll, we'll do we'll do a separate room where my yak face and your uh, yeah well yeah I know therapy necessary immediately. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be over here in the corner if y'all need me. Holy, I used to date her that kind of thing right. Um, 
so the Boba Fett went bonkers and went for 25, uh, which is good, man. I mean, that's a, I was worried that, that the book of Boba Fett might have taken the sheen off of, and we, we talked about this on the phone. I'm glad it didn't because for me, I have a t-shirt that says I love all three Star Wars movies. And that's kind of the way I, that, that I don't wear it very often. That's the, that's where I stand. Nothing that happens outside of nothing that Disney does uh, nothing that Lucasfilm or anybody has done since before or since Star Wars Empire and Jedi affects the way I feel about that world. Star Wars Empire and Jedi are unassailable. They're in a bubble. They're in the Iron Dome. They have the Israeli military taking care of <laughs> what's going on as far as I'm concerned. They, they are not approach. That's right. And so it doesn't matter if I like the dude that's playing Han Solo in the Han Solo movie, or if Boba Fett's older, it doesn't matter because those movies to me are sacrosanct and unassailable. And that's why these figures were always so important to me because the, it doesn't matter. It, so Boba Fett sucks in the new Boba, you know, and he does, and I'm sorry, uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect it. So I was kind of hoping, and I heard you guys talk about this, and you're, I think, Matt, you said that. You're like, I think that the, the real fans of the original movies don't care. I think they want carded 21 back Boba Fett. And they did. That's, this proved that. It didn't really, I mean, I don't think had the book of Boba Fett not come out that I would have gotten more than the price that I got for that card. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I'd agree. Yeah. But Matt, yeah, yeah. You, would, you would say that that price that was realized for this Boba Fett piece is bonkers, right? Oh, yeah. The price is absolutely ludicrous. But yeah. <laughs> it, at the same time, it's not surprising. Like I know they're kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but yeah, this is the piece that people in the know have been after for a while. They've put crazy want to buy ads out there at what was seemingly at the time aggressive prices. And uh, if people like that are doing that, you know that behind the scenes, bigger things are happening and bubbling up. So, um, I know a lot of people for a lot of their collections, that's, that's like the center beast to it. And so they'll yeah. go, you know, all out to make sure that they get one. So do it, you guys know, do you guys know the the record for that figure? Is, did this set a record for a, a 21 back B? I have no idea. Uh, no, there's, there's been some nineties that have changed hands that have been, no, an 85 though, a 20 back, like, 85? like 85. Um, as far as I could tell, that's, this is the highest one. Okay. There was the one from golden. That I think was a twenty one B as well, and that that sold for around thirty. Okay. Okay. Damn it. But hey, I mean, we <laughs> I'm are. Just, I'm just like, kidding. We are. We are in a totally <laughs> new level of, of prices now, especially for Boba. So yeah. I mean, when that ended yesterday, even watching it the whole time, I mean, that was one of the first pieces to to jump. Yeah. And um, you know, Matt and I were just watching it. It went like to you know. 10 or 12, 13, like that, and just kept piling up and up and up. So where it ended was, um, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, in, as far as empire goes, I, uh, I had always been looking for, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there was a, was there a 47 back Imperial TIE fighter pilot? There was. Yeah. So, I had a, um, a pretty decent, uh, detailed spreadsheet and it, for every one that I, that wasn't the first release I had, there was like a little, like, like, uh, it was highlighted. 
And I was like, yeah, you sure you've got the uh, Imperial TIE Fighter Pilot 48 back C80 AFA 85, but there was a 47. So it was like this glaring thing and it would, it would weigh on me. I'm like, I need a 47. And I never got a 47. They are so hard to find. They really are. Um, I think I have one now and it has a, it might have a yellow bubble, but they're very hard to find. Very hard you have to find clear. You, you have an 85? Uh, for the TIE Fighter Pilot? Yeah, a, a 47 AFA 85? No, I, th- well. I've got one. I have to check. <laughs> I might have, it's either an 85 or wow. an 80 plus, but yeah, but yeah. but again, they're hard. Like, so Matt, you have one? Yeah, it's got a 90 figure grade too. Wow. It's, wow. It, was, it was graded as clear, but it's got like this tinge of yellow to it now. I love that figure so much, man. I love, I, it's one of those ones, Matt, you, I think you guys were talking about those figures that where they, the figure is not on the picture. It's just the vehicles they drive. Um, and you guys are like, why is it the B-Wing called the B-Wing, which is one of my favorite parts of your podcast ever. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> it's, the best, it's my favorite part. Of your oh, wait, here's a question. Speaking about the TIE fighter pilot, <laughs> um, did the yeah. TIE fighter pilot, if you had it as a child, did the TIE fighter pilot smell like something to you? Oh, I, I, I guarantee you, I never got this figure as a, as a child. I never had it. Okay, because people... Oh, I don't know. People... Uh, Matt, would you say uh, it has a certain smell, certain scent? 100% yes. Really? Yes. What is that? Tell me. I don't know, but it has a unique odor for sure. And I, I can still smell it from my childhood. Like opening it, that figure up, like fresh amazing. out of the package, it it smelled like that. So there was some kind of a, a paint uh, that was used on that figure or something that was uh, had a particular odor to it. Do you guys see, I don't see any, you know, certain, you know, car manufacturers share chassis and stuff like that. I don't see this figure's body sharing any similar characteristics with any other figure. He is thick. The TIE, the tie fighter pilot is a big, thick guy. He sure we is. need to make a shirt that says that. That's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, I think the closest would be, um, the ADA driver, but yeah, maybe I don't think they're, they're you maybe. know, they're not the same sculptor or anything. And he's got that blue back. And then on the back, you've got the Akbar offer on the one I had anyway, that, that kind of like, uh, almost Robin's egg blue, which is really nice. The mm-hmm. Tiffany blue. The 48 so, C. It's so beautiful. I love, I love that figure. I love the TIE fighter as a, as a, a, a vehicle, as a kid. So that one was really pretty important to me. And, uh, and that hit a big price. Matt and I were just talking about that in our uh, wrap up episode. Um, I think it, it ended at what? 2,400. Uh, that's with the buyer's premium. I'm not sure how that, okay. But I mean, I I actually don't even know how that works. How does the, do I get the buyer's premium? I don't think I do. I think Hakes does. Hakes gets the, yeah, they get the buyer's premium. (laughs) Um, but uh, you know, I don't think we've really seen uh, a TIE fighter pilot sell, at least in 85 for something like 2,400. So, I mean, that was, that was, that seemed to be a record price. Yeah. But I did uh, honestly, that was maybe honestly out of all of the figures that I had it, I looked the longest for that 47 back because uh, I, I did want the first release of each one. Never got it. Makes sense. Although you, you grabbed a nice one. I mean, that was what a clear blister and, um, yeah. Was it straight 85s? Uh, yep. God, gorgeous. Okay. Yep. Congrats. Really nice. nice. How about Return of the Jedi? Okay, so I is um, an under 
maybe didn't get a lot of screen time, but that man, oh man, that emperor's Royal guard was just such an important, if you guys remember going to see the movie Jedi, if you went to Jedi in the theater as a kid, they used that figure in the lobbies. They had, they had carded uh, like emperor's Royal guard, uh, stand-ups in the lobbies in the movie theaters when you went. Do you remember that? Yep. Every now and then a card one turns up. It's true. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've seen oh my in God. a bunch of collections, yeah. Has AFA ever graded one? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Oh, my God. There's no way they've made it through. Anyway, that, that figure, though it, it has, I mean, what would you say, like 18 seconds of screen time in the film or whatever it is, and ultimately if you were ever to wear that costume for Halloween, it's not that great of a costume, but somehow the figure is so imposing and so cool with that melting red helmet and the, 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 the eye, you know, the, the, the visor and then the cloak. I just love that so much. So I loved that, that emperor's Royal guard and it, uh, it did. Okay. Not great. I, I, I had a clear blister, uh, 65 back B AFA 85 that went for 1832. That's okay. I have no idea what I paid for it. I think I, I honestly don't remember part of me, full disclosure, um, in order to not get, uh, OCD about how much money I was spending on my collection, I would sometimes not pay attention to how much I was spending on the collection. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No, I keep a spreadsheet oh. down to the penny. <laughs> I'm serious. Do you really? I do. Yeah. I wing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wing, you know, and I was doing all of this before I got married. And I certainly, uh, if, if my wife knew that I was winging it when, when investing in, uh, these things, she would have something to say about it, but I don't think she's going to be listening to this podcast. That, that was, yeah. that was one of my, my most exciting. I loved that figure. I, 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 let me check that opening it up. Not the greatest, not so fun, not whatever, but just the overall aesthetic of the carded figure, I love. Here's a, an interesting aside to Emperor's Royal Guard and the helmet you were talking about. I'll tie yeah. it back to toys. So the guy who sculpted that helmet for Lucasfilm, he also, I think, sculpted the Biker Scout helmet and maybe the yeah. Leia Bausch helmet. But he also sculpted a lot of those LJN WWF wrestlers. I don't know if you remember those from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. And then uh, he sculpted some like stuff for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So he he was a, a sculptor, a, not only like- A genius? Movie. He was a genius. Yeah, right. He was yeah. fantastic because those are the three best helmets in the in the Return of the Jedi for sure. I have a, um, I was at a, uh, like a, a toy convention in Canada with my, I, I took my son to one once and we were walking around and we were beside a guy in a biker scout costume, the, the costume, sorry, uniform, uh, apologies, uh, full gear, like ready to go, looked great. And my son said, are you a stormtrooper? And he turned to me and he went, no, I'm a biker scout. Everybody always says that. And he shook his head and he walked off into the bowels of the hotel conference room we were in. He was so like, he, he was one of these guys that loved the biker scout so much but always it was obvious that people always came up to him and asked him about, are you a stormtrooper? And he had to correct him and it was weighing on him. I hope he's still around. Is he the one that hit baby Yoda? <laughs> he, he's the one that- he's, ta- he's taking his vengeance out on a little, uh, 
That's a little it. Grogu. That's exact. This guy, dude. That's ex- that's such a great point. He was so mad walking around this thing that nobody gave the biker scouts the props. Yeah, that's crazy. That's amazing. Biker scouts are fantastic. Absolutely. They are. They're beautiful. And the, obviously the gentleman that, 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 uh, that created all of those amazing designs is, uh, the guy that uh, invented our imaginations and dreams, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, power of the force. Um, I look, I liked the, uh, the EV 99 that I had because it was a 90 is the only 90 I ever had, but I realized that there were actually quite a few of those nineties out there for some reason, the plastic, uh, it maintained itself, but here's the thing. My, so I think upon review, my favorite power of the force, uh, figure might be the Imperial gunner because that helmet is badass. It is really cool. Really cool. And then that was a great piece. That's one that has skyrocketed in value recently. Uh, Matt and I were talking about that before and, you know, just, um, it's one that I think for a while the Imperial Gunner and the um, A-wing pilot were neck and neck as far as values, and then that one yeah. really broke off. So they've over during the quarantine they they slowly started to come back to around the same price, and then we had the Hakes auction um, in November where the the eighty five sold for thirty five hundred dollars, and now yours sold with the buyer's premium for twenty two or twenty three hundred, which was just yeah. Mine was only crazy. an eighty. Mine was only an eighty, and I, I was looking. You know, I was always trying to make that eighty five across the board, just never able to get there. But um, I, I really like the way that and, you know the when you look at that figure, what do you hear? Oh, uh, the sound of the, um, we're, we're, right? the most seventies sound possible. <laughs> That's right. It's so great. That's all. When I look at the figure, I hear that sound and that, you know, how cool is that? How many things in your life do you have where you can look at something and hear a thing? It's visceral. It's incredible. It's really cool. And they did a nice job on the card back and on, on the figure on that one too. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty solid collection of, of favorites. Um, I have to ask you this because I, I think this was really important, and and I, I it felt like you know Matt and I got to kind of be a little part of it at least you know rooting you on from the sidelines. But what what did last night feel like for you? Like what was that what was that whole experience like going through the auction as pieces are ending and you're seeing the pieces that you collected over 25 years, you know these these prices coming up, and and how did how did you feel during and after? Man, I, I texted uh, Kelly at, at Hakes today and I said, I don't know what to do with my spare time today. I don't know what to watch. I have no idea what to look at. Um, mostly I was angry at him for not having my Black Hole Series 1 Dr. Hans, Hans Reinhardt sell for more than $121. So I was really mostly mad about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, it was It was shocking. Mostly shocking because I never got into this, as I've told both of you guys in our phone conversations before this, I never got into this expecting a, a financial return at the end. It was never that it was never, it was, it was kind of reckless. Honestly, it was like as an adult, as a, as a bit of a Peter Pan, as a, a guy that's worked in the entertainment industry, which is not a real job and all of that stuff. Um, I think I've spent the majority of my adult life with any um, extra money that I've had purchasing things that I didn't have, but wanted as a kid and making up for that stuff. And this, it's, 
it's not disposable. It's important. It's the, it's the bedrock of kind of who I am and the, the, the world of fantasy and awe and wonder. And, uh, yeah, I was it, mostly shocked about the finance. The financial side of things was shocking. I, I truly was, was shocked about it. I hadn't been in the market to buy anything for a long time. I had uh, realized that I was probably priced out of the Anakin side of completing my collection uh, when I saw 60s and 50s going for fifty dollars and $60,000. I was kind of like, I, okay, I, I think I'm probably not going to be able to do that. I've got two small children. Um, I, I've got a mortgage. I've got a job. I got to you know, kind of pay attention to that stuff. So when I saw it happening, and I had listened to your podcasts, and again, I'm not saying this for the benefit of anybody other than the people that are listening who, who I hope know that I'm genuine. It was joyous, man. I was like, I, I'm so happy that this is the way that this ended. The, the, the moment that the yak face fell four feet and um, burst thousands of dollars of equity uh, was a panic moment. The rest of my entire 25-year period of collecting Star Wars figures has been uh, a solo endeavor and a joy. If you think about people that talk about sailing around the world by themselves or flying or Amelia Earhart, whatever it is, I kind of felt like I didn't need friends in on I know there are uh, Facebook groups and, and all of that stuff. I loved doing this by myself. I loved putting this together by myself. I loved reading the books by myself and learning about the first releases by myself. And, and it was kind of, it was my thing, man, because everything else is everybody's thing. If you're a family man, you're everybody else is in, in your stuff. This was my kind of my little thing. Uh, my friends didn't bug me about it. Didn't talk to them about it. And uh, the fact that it ended in this way with Hakes having a record breaking um, auction and you guys basing so many podcasts on, I had no idea, man. The guy, you know, our friend Kelly from Hakes is like, Hey, you should check out this podcast. And I listened to it. And I'm like, they're talking about my piece, the piece that I've owned for 14 years. It's been in my basement for 14 years. I can't believe this. This is incredible. It meant so much to me and it, it means so much to me. And the fact that you're including me right now is, uh, is honestly an, an amazing end of the journey. And I will never stop paying attention to what's going on. Will I jump back in and buy another piece? I'm not sure. I mean, I, again, a little disappointed that my Dr. Hans Reinhardt black hole AFA 80 didn't sell for more, <laughs> sure. but I, all, but I honestly liked like Buck Rogers in the black hole as well. So there were a couple of little things that I bought on this side, but star Wars was the main thing. And it's been a joy. And for you guys to recognize, um, the collection that I put together, there were, there, there were a couple of times during your podcast where Matt said, I'm pretty sure this is the result of one person's collection and kudos to him. I was like, he's talking to me. That's all I needed. After 25 years, that's all I needed. So thank you. As collectors, we, we notice certain things about collections, you know, because we collect similar things. We, we look for, uh, you know, runs of unpunched items or ones either with price tags or without price tags. And if they have price tags, maybe specific price tags, you know, according to different regions and stores, um, certain grades or, you know, whether you have a clear run or uh, a yellow run, or you're going for, you know, the debut characters, uh, or characters on debut cards, or, uh, you know, highlighting a certain focus of a specific character. And so it, it was, it was really nice. Uh, I'm sure Matt can, uh, you know, add more to this, but it was just really nice being able to go through a collection that was that thorough where you could see the care and the time involved in 
selecting these specific pieces, right? Just kind of getting one and, and making that one be the, the highest quality you can. And it, it really showed in this auction. Yeah. it. Uh, when I started getting back into it for the second time back in I don't know, 2012, 2013, whatever that was, um, I was going after 80 offerless debut. So whatever, like, the 41 A's, I wouldn't get that yeah. one, even though it was the de- debut because it had the offer on it. So like everything had to be at least 80 across the board and, um, and, um, unpunched. So I, I could tell that there were so many similarities between a lot of these pieces that it, it must've been someone pursuing a similar type of run that I was doing. Um, and so I'm, it's very cool that, to. Get, get to be able to talk to you and confirm that and then um, kind of share this experience with you. Like we, we you, just started. So, doing so Matt, you, you would take, you would take an 80 unpunched over an 85 punched. No, I just wanted to get at least an 80 across yeah. the board. Like that was yeah. my minimum. Like a lot of people do 85 straight across the board. Um, I just, that was it. I, I didn't care if it had stickers punched, whatever. I just wanted 85. I didn't care if it was yellow or whatever. That that was kind of my my driving force was it's got to be an eighty five. Yeah, that's it's it's just really cool to see all that quality in, in one place. You you rarely see an eighty five of essentially every character in one place. Added to to it the clear bubbles too. I mean that was an amazing factor, um, Paul. When we when we first talked back in twenty fifteen. Um, I, I looked back at my my message to you, and I wrote that I was collecting the same way that you were. That I was going for you know characters on their debut cards, uh, straight eighty fives when possible, clear bubbles when possible, unpunched, and, and all of that stuff. And you know, it's just nice to see. Like, I mean, the three of us maybe we're collecting differently, but at the same time, we all seem to to go for items you know with with certain um, certain levels of condition. And I, I think that's really important to collectors. And it's just it's nice to see somebody's collection on display like that in a catalog in a physical catalog and an online catalog where you can really see the quality and care put into it. Yeah. That's, it's so incredible for you to remind me about that, that time. And I'm so grateful that you remember that those conversations, I wish I had uh, had those as well, but I guess that's the difference when people are, are going out to buy things or invest hard-earned money in some of their nostalgia, some of their childhood or their memories, that that's where AFA comes in, that's where you guys come in, that's where Hakes comes in, where there's some filters that allow people to know that they're actually investing in something that, not investing, sorry, uh, 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 spending their money on, or spending their money legitimately and virtuously. And I think that's that's kind of important, right? Because there's a lot of people out there who are uh, misrepresenting, and uh, this is not the case with any of this. So it's uh, it's a it's a really nice thing, and that's that's why the four hundred dollar Darth Vader a, a, a beautiful carded uh, figure that I bought when I sent it down to Georgia came back, and it was automatically worth ten times that amount because now people know and they trust and and whatever because there are people in the industry that are trustworthy and are. The keepers of the grail, man. The the they and you guys are part of that. So thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. And uh, I would not feel as good as I do right now about the position that I'm in 
leaving and, and having, you know, there's a, there's a room in my house that's empty right now. Like it's not a big room, but it's, it's like a small room that, that the shelves are empty. It's gone. Those things are gone. And, uh, my coworker I, who I told about this was like, are you sad? I'm like, I'm not, this is good for my family. This is good for me. I feel uh, really good about this. And you, and I can't, I can't, uh, uh, understate that overstate that. I can't overstate this um the fact that you guys did a podcast on a uh, on this collection and a bunch of the stuff that you talked about were my pieces and that we're talking about it right now is so satisfying and feels like such a a bow on the whole thing that I'm very grateful Matt didn't want to do it he was like no we're not getting this guy <laughs> like no I, I I said to him Matt come on it's just just <laughs> guys are fraud. We're not doing that. Forget it. <laughs> no, we're, we're very honestly, Paul. Um, you know, I think, I think it's one of the things that made it worth it. I mean, for, for me and Matt, you know, we just, we were doing this as collectors, uh, diving into something that we love and, and learning about the stuff, um, sharing stories about it, laughing about it. And then to, to have this be the end of this, uh, Hake's catalog experience in this auction and, and your collecting experience in your journey, um, was just really nice. And it was nice to, you know, once I had heard that you had collected for 25 years, you know, it became a thing where it was, it was a personal thing all of a sudden, cause it was, it was a person that, although I didn't know you, I, you know, I think the, the three of us share that collecting gene, right. And we care about this stuff and we, yeah. we were stewards of the hobby. And, um, and so to know that, like it, it became very exciting, you know, and just rooting, rooting for you from the sidelines and seeing this happen and these prices going crazy, you know, and we were all talking about it yesterday and this morning and everything and just looking and going, I, I can't believe what we just witnessed. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a pretty amazing experience and we're really glad it happened to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Are you guys like, were you guys floored about what was happening last night when you were watching the prices? Not oh, shocked God, in yes. the least. No, we were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I, had a good, I had a good buddy over at the house last night and we were watching all the, all the items come in and, and close. And we were just scrolling through the ending listings and like every piece was just like, Oh, that's a record. That's a record price. Yeah. That's a record price. That's a right. I never thought I would see that ever. And it was just one after another all the way down. So, um, absolute kudos to you, sir. Um, I couldn't be happier. It turns out that you're an awesome guy too. And that's always a plus when good stuff happens to good people. And when say awesome. Oh, come oh, on okay. now. Okay. Fine, look, fine, look, look, fine. When we, awesome. when we get together in <laughs> Vegas and I foot the bill, then awesome will happen. I want to go on record. Awesome. Totally <laughs> awesome. I, I will no, go on no. record as uh, confirming that I will be a part of that trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We tease the ones we let, we love. Absolutely. Yeah, like, man. no, really it, it's, uh, it, it's made the experience uh, fun for us as well too. And yeah, just, I mean, really to, to go through this with, uh, with the two of you has been really nice. So. You know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in that auction as well. Hakes is an incredible company. Like, did you guys look through the rest of that catalog? It's pretty amazing, the stuff that they have in it. Oh, absolutely. Original art. <laughs> Original art yeah. is fantastic. Military uh, military badges and, like, uh, posters, and it's incredible. Matt buys most of the um, 
the political buttons and then he just he puts them on a vest and he wears them to all of our Star Wars conventions. So it's kind so of a nice what? touch. So not only does he like to push buttons, he likes to wear buttons. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, that's that's just I a like rumor. Ike. <laughs> We've seen like, it in action. Like, We've seen I, it I, it's unsubstantiated. Like that's just a I was born in Scotland. I live in Canada. I still know I like Ike. I love that. I Nixon like for Nixon, sure. <laughs> He's a Texan. He's a Texan, you know. Eisenhower's Amen. a Texan. Just going to yeah. throw Amen. that out there. <laughs> well, this has been uh, wonderful. Um, really, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us tonight. Um, Matt, I, I think this is, you know, kind of the, the cherry on top of a, a, a wonderful, you know, journey through the catalog with you. And then, uh, you know, Paul, to have you come on and, and to be a part of it and, sh- and to share your story and to hear about you as a collector who love this stuff and who put the time into it, I just, you know, I think it really just touched both of us. So um, we're thrilled for you and we just, we wish you all the best and we're just, we're excited to know you now. Hey man, thank you guys. It's, it's honestly, I I said it before at the risk of repeating myself. um, You guys have meant the world to me, honestly, our our conversations that we had that were not included on this podcast. uh, uh, First of all, hearing you talking about my collection without me even knowing that that was going to happen uh, was mind blowing. Talking to you in person was mind blowing. Being a part of your podcast is mind blowing. And uh, at being at this uh, kind of post auction setting now, um, I feel really good about it, man. And you guys are a big part of that. So thank you very much. My thanks to Paul for taking the time out to speak with us for the final episode of the Hakes 234 series. And an enormous and heartfelt thank you to Matt for taking a trip through the Hakes catalog with me. In total, he and I discussed the catalog for 14 hours, and he really made it a memorable experience. Matt's sense of humor is something special, and laughing together was one of my favorite parts of the past month. And Matt wrote a book with our friends Gary Borbidge and Stephen Ward. It's called Engineering an Empire and covers the history of the vintage Star Wars toys through the biographies of some of the Kenner creatives and designers who worked on the action figure line. The book is packed with some of the best photos of stunning prototypes and the items you won't see anywhere else. So if you want to order a copy, visit engineeringanempirebook.com or reach out to Matt, Gary, or Stephen. I promise you, it is a fantastic read. And finally, thank you for listening to another episode of Star Wars, Prototypes and Production. If you joined us for all 14 hours of our Hake series, you are truly a Jedi Master. And if you haven't caught up yet on all the episodes, I think you'll enjoy them. We tried to capture a moment in time with the exploration of this particular catalog, and the stories behind the pieces, as well as the information about them, will always be relevant. I published 10 episodes in one month's time. I've never done that before. And honestly, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that again. But it was fun and exhilarating at times, and our conversations seem to have connected with many of you 
many more than we ever imagined, whether you were planning on bidding or just watching from the sidelines. If you've enjoyed this series, would you kindly do something for me? It would help me greatly to get the word out about the podcast, which is simply a labor of love. If you can, please leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. I know I've been introduced to other podcasts through these reviews, and they help to boost the podcast on platforms like Apple Podcasts. And if you liked this episode and laughed with us, please take a few seconds and send it to a friend. You can share it directly from your podcast app, or you can copy and paste a podcast link and share it with someone. I had the opportunity to invite a friend into one of our collecting clubs this weekend, and it felt really wonderful. I know what it's like to collect on your own, like Paul did. And while it's certainly enjoyable, there's something really special about being part of a club or a group with other collectors who share that same passion for collecting that you possess. So share the podcast with someone, invite someone into a group or a club to be part of something special, and if you can, leave a review of this podcast. I really want to be your favorite podcast, and I want you to want to share it with others. That it may bring you enough joy that you feel compelled to pass that joy on to your friends. That's how we build a meaningful community and connect with one another. And I hope the podcast is a way for you to connect. So what lies ahead for us? We have some exciting meetups and toy shows to visit, more on the Collecting Prototype series, some very interesting roundtable discussions, and much more to come on Star Wars, Prototypes and Production.